Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, if you turn over to 1 Thessalonians, we are going to continue on in uh, chapter 3. And uh, it's interesting tonight that what we're going to be talking about because, um, it, you know, it was just flooding outside and you guys are here, faithful. And so we're uh, just walking through this book and that's where we find ourselves talking a little bit more about uh, faith and faithfulness. Uh, but before we do that, just a reminder of the last uh, couple of points that we looked at in this study. Uh, the, the first one of the last message was this, Satan is the cause of all hindrance to the will of God. And so when we look at um, us not being able to do God's will, we have to know that Satan is behind anything that's hindering us from doing God's will. And if you remember, we talked about how he'll use anybody and anyone. He'll use circumstances, he'll use lost people, but he'll also use saved people. And that's, that's what we talked about is we have the opportunity to yield ourselves as instruments of righteousness unto God or instruments of unrighteousness, unrighteousness unto sin. And Satan will take the opportunity, whenever we get in the flesh and we yield ourselves as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, Satan will take that opportunity and use us inside the church and outside the church as much as he possibly can because he knows that some of the greatest damage that he can do is within the church by the church. Did you hear that? Sometimes the greatest things that he can do is within the church by the church. If he can use another member against itself, uh, then it's kind of like sabotage, and, and, it, and it's, some, it's some of the worst kind of attacks. Uh, if you've ever gone through this, you know what it's like uh, to have somebody maybe attack you, maybe somebody uh, think something about you, say something about you, do something about you, and they're supposed to be your brother or sister in Christ, and these things, these negative things are coming against you. Again, Satan will use anything and everything he can, but he is, we have to remember, he is the cause of all hindrances to the will of God. So whenever you go through that, whenever you struggle with that, the answer is not to say, well, I'm just not going to go to church. That's not the answer, because that's exactly playing into the hand of Satan, the enemy. That's exactly what he wants us to do. If he can get us to attack ourselves so we separate ourselves, then there's no unity, there's no strength, and there's no accomplishing of the will of God. And so again, that is so important. If somebody makes you mad in church, God gave us a very clear instruction on how to make that right. If somebody upsets you, if somebody offends you, God gave us instructions on how to make that right, and there's nothing in anything God gave us that says, well, if somebody upsets you, somebody makes you mad, if somebody offends you, if somebody breaks, uh, you know, hurts your feelings, if somebody, any of those things, nothing in there says just avoid it for a while, avoid them for a while, avoid assembling for a while, and then it'll all go away. Again, that's exactly the way Satan wants it to be done. If you can't give it to God and let it go and it's done and you're back to your normal self with that person and anybody else, if you can't do that, then you've got to go to that person in the spirit of reconciliation and love. You have to. That's the command of our Lord. And so we've got to make sure and do that right. We've got to do that before you can offer anything at the altar. You've got to do that before you can offer any type of praise. You've got to do that before you can partake in any communion. You've got to do those things before any of that. And so again, remember, Satan is the cause of all the hindrance to, to, to the will of God. And then number two was this, eternal matters matter most. Eternal matters matter most. And so this week, uh, we move forward and we see exactly what it, what it was that the report was um, that Timothy brought back. Remember, Paul said we're going to send Timothy. We don't have anybody that we can trust. 
not only that's going to check on you, but also establish you, disciple you a little bit more. We don't have anybody else that we can send that we can think of other than Timothy. So they send Timothy, and again, we're going to see what the report is that these new Christians, how they were doing, and what, how they were faring against the persecution uh, that Paul uh, was waiting to hear on. So let's pray, and we'll get into this. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for the rain. Thank you again for keeping everybody safe. And I pray that you continue to do that, even tonight when we leave. I ask that you just have your hand on all of us and uh, just take us safely to our homes. Uh, but before we, we get there, Lord, I, I pray tonight you would move in our, in our presence, that you'd be glorified, that this message would go out. It would speak to every single one of our hearts, wherever we're at, if we just need the encouragement, uh, if we need some uh, convicting, if we need to repent of something, Lord, whatever is necessary in each of our lives, as individual children, your, your children individually, and as a body, together, as, as a family. Lord, just have your way. Just work however you choose to work. Use me as a vessel so that you speak what you, you want spoken and that you get all the glory from it. And we'll praise you for all this, Lord, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, if you, um, if you recall, Paul couldn't stand it anymore. He was, he was dying to get back to the Thessalonians. Remember how he had to abruptly leave? We've talked about that a couple times now. And they, they just kept traveling on the missionary journey. They, they could never make it back to Thessalonica to check on these new converts, this new church, uh, in the midst of great persecution. And Paul was literally, it was, it was driving him crazy that he couldn't get back to see them, to be with these new believers. Again, so he sent Timothy uh, to see how they, they, could, they could do. And so the message that Timothy was to deliver as he goes to them was that the afflictions that they were going through as Christians was something that all Christians are appointed to. That all Christians who chose to follow Christ, the way that Christ said, you have to follow me, we're going to go through these afflictions. And I believe it happens that way in the world today. It may not be like it was in Jesus' day. It may not be like that in ways uh, like it is in our brothers and sisters around the world, like in some of the Middle Eastern countries and even the East Eastern countries. It may not be like that, but I believe if you and I choose to live the life that Christ called us to live, as followers of Jesus Christ, being living sacrifices, taking up our cross daily and following him, as we've seen on our Sunday morning study, I believe if we live like that, we will suffer persecution in this world too. And if you've tried to live that way, maybe in a season, maybe the first season of your Christian life, or maybe at some point along the way, you've determined, I'm going to live like this. I'm going to give God my all. I'm going to get back to where I was when I first got saved. I'm going to devote myself wholly to him. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to witness. I'm going to do all these things. If at any point in time you've done that, then you know exactly what that's like. It may happen at your job. It may even happen inside the church. It may happen uh, with your family members. It may happen inside your home. And that's the difficult thing to deal with is when those things come against us, we're trying to do God's will. We just want to please the Lord, want to live for God, want to give him all we have. And then the, the, the friction comes within our own house or within this house, the church of God. But again, Satan's not, he, he'll use anything and anybody. But Paul says this is what's going to happen. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be affliction. And if you're following Jesus Christ, as I've taught you, there's going to be sacrifice involved. But all those things would be worth it. Every single thing that you would go through, persecution, affliction-wise, every single thing that you would have to sacrifice, all of it would be worth it. Again, the followers of Christ are going to go through these things because we're not of this world. We're in it, but we're not of it. The world should look not only at the fact that we 
attend multiple weekly gatherings? Why in the world do you go Sunday morning, Sunday night, and even in the middle of the week on a Wednesday night? There's so many other things that you can be doing. The world looks at that and says, you, you do that to encourage each other. You, you do that, but the world's perspective sometimes is you go up there just to hear some guy speak. <laughs> I mean, you could be watching TV, you could be watching the game, you could go out and do all these things. Listen, please don't ever think that coming here is about hearing me speak. Please don't ever think that. Because if you think that, we need to talk after service. It's not about that. The, the, the central focus in every single one of our gatherings is Jesus Christ. And so when we sing a song and when we give a, a, a gift of money or, or whenever a preacher stands up here and delivers his word, all the focus is supposed to be on him. All of it. All of our attention, all of our effort, all of our praise is supposed to be on Jesus Christ. He is the reason why we gather. But there's a part in our gathering that every single member is supposed to take part in. It's not sitting there in that seat listening to me preach the word of God, which is vital. It's very important. But every single one of you has a role as you gather, as we gather every single time, and that's to serve each other, to serve the body, to use the spiritual gifts that God has given to you for the body so that the body is edified. And we're strengthened. So we don't, we don't do the same things as the world does. We don't talk the same way as the world talks. We're unique and we're peculiar. And so the world should see that. Not only that, but our families inside of our houses and outside of our extended families, they should see that we're different. Other believers should see that. That group of believers following Jesus Christ as much as they can. That's the way it looks to us. Again, that's what everyone should see. And that's what Timothy saw when he came back to Paul after, he, again, what he saw in the, in the Thessalonians. And so we pick up in chapter 3, verse 6, and he says this, But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings, listen to this, here's the good tidings that he brought, of your faith and charity, or your faith and love, and that you have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all of our affliction and distress by your faith. Verse 8, for now we live, now we can live if you stand fast in the Lord. Did you hear what he was saying? Paul was saying, you know what kept us going through all of our persecution, through all of our affliction, through all of our distress, through, through everything we went through? One thing that kept us going was the fact that we heard that you missed us like we missed you, that we had a mutual love and a desire to be together. That's one of the things that kept us going. But you know what really kept us going? Your faith. Your faith kept us going no matter what we went through. And that's how we can live. That's how we can move forward. That's how we can serve God no matter what is, is the fact that we know you stand fast in the Lord, in your faith. And so point number one tonight is this. Our faithfulness and our faith, faithful witness encourages even the strongest Christian. And we, we're gathered here tonight, and I don't want anybody to, to jeopardize their, uh, their safety or anything like that. So if somebody didn't feel safe or couldn't get here tonight, I would never want anybody to do that. 
Um, that's why there's been times that we've canceled because of ice or because of sleep or because the, it's coming when they know it's coming. So we, we cancel service. We, yeah, so we never want to do that. But when, when we, are, we have the opportunity in the midst of this dark world to gather as the children of light to encourage each other, we should take full advantage of that because the faithfulness in our lives, not only as we gather, but as we live out our faith on a daily basis, encourages even the strongest of Christians. The Apostle Paul was telling these new believers, you are an encouragement to me. Think about that. I don't know if there's any greater Christian that's ever walked this earth. Maybe there has been. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not God, so I'm not the judge. But if we look at how God has used man, men and women throughout the ages, we look at the Apostle Paul writing the majority of the New Testament, starting the first churches outside of Jesus, starting the first church there in Jerusalem. I mean, this, this, this guy was filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the power. He was an apostle. He was called. He, he did amazing things for the kingdom of God. At the same time, remaining humble, saying, listen, I haven't attained that which I'm, or I haven't apprehended that which I've apprehended of Christ. I haven't arrived yet, he said. And at the same time, in Romans chapter 7, says, listen, there's, there's times that I do the things that I don't want to do and don't do the things that I want to do. I see a battle inside my, my members. This battle the, the, with the flesh, I want to obey sin. And with the spirit, it delights after the law of God. There's this war waging in my life. Again, Paul wasn't a, a sinless. He said he's the chief the chiefest of sinners. Yet God used him in an amazing way because he had, he had chosen to strive after Christ, to live after Christ, to any time I believe that he messed up, to repent and get back on that road. And so God used him in an amazing way. And yet this great Christian, this great example for even us today, 2,000 years later, is telling these brand new baby Christians, your faithfulness is what is encouraging me. Your faithfulness is what keeps us going. Your faithfulness to God and the things of God is what allows us to get up. And when we think about we've got to go into this city and they're probably going to stone us again. Or we're going to go back into the city and they're probably going to throw us in jail again. That what kept them going in the faith, Paul said, he says, now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. So if we look at this word faith, particularly look at the word faithful because in our notes our faithfulness or our faithfulness encourages even the strongest Christians the word faithful means this full of faith isn't that amazing faithful means full of faith that's that it's it's I know it's a it blows your mind but that's what it, that's what it means faithful means to be full of faith you trust so you do you trust so you remain being fully persuaded because there's no doubt in your mind who is your Savior, who is your Lord. You have absolute trust. You are fully trusting Him. Therefore, you are fully committed. You are unmoved. You are dedicated and you are steadfast, not only to Him, but to His cause in all things. Being faithful. That type of witness is encouraging to pastors. That type of faith is encouraging to apostles. That type of faith is encouraging to leaders. And of course, it's encouraging to the body of Christ overall. I've had conversations with people before and, say, and they say this, because what in their mind, they, what, what they mostly do is sit in a worship service and sing the songs 
give a tithe and listen to the preacher. That's the most things that they do. They're not really serving in an area. And so in their mind, I've heard people say this, that they're not really missed if they're not here. And I would just say that that's an absolute lie of the devil. That, that's a lie of the devil. Jesus would have never said anything about the importance of gathering. He would have never inspired the Apostle Paul to write what he, write, he, he wrote. Uh, it, it, it just wouldn't be there. But the fact that this great Christian was encouraged, and all through Scripture we see that, there's no doubt it's important that every single member is faithful. And I have to say this, I, I'm, I'm so discouraged on the flip side by the lack of faithfulness in the church overall. And I'm going to talk about Trinity Baptist Temple. I'm talking about the church, particularly in America. It's so discouraging. Um, to see, matter of fact, I, um, I, I, this message was already pretty much prepared. And, I, and then I saw uh, the um, leadership uh, minute or something by Tom Rainer, and it was on a disturbing trend of uh, church attendance, lack of church attendance. And uh, I, I've been burdened with this. I've been writing some things down. I don't know what it's going to turn into, but just on, and, I, and I've shared that a little bit with you in, in here, um, but just very discouraging to see people's, and this is what Tom Rainer said. He said it's a philosophy that, that has um, been adopted by the church, churchgoers, that culture, of course, embraces. I want to just say this. Church attendance it's completely different. The philosophy behind church attendance is completely different than when I was a kid. Amen. Completely different than it is today. It seems as if gathering as the body of Christ it is not as important as Jesus portrayed it to be and, and, and commanded it to be. It's, it's as if there's this philosophy that's permeated the Christian culture that is... You could take it or leave it, and you'll be just as good and just as strong as a Christian as the next person. The moment that you're not in your place serving, using your gift that the Holy Spirit has given to you, is the moment that this body is weakened. That's the truth. If you're not in your spot, using your gift, the body is weakened. See, our strength comes from the Lord. That's what the Bible says. Our strength comes from the Lord. But his design is the body of Christ, the church. And clearly, we are to gain strength, and not only strength in our unity, but effectiveness. And that only comes through our togetherness. And let's be clear on this. It's not just about sitting in a place at the same time because you can, there's a lot of people that do that. I promise you this. I can go to a sports game where there are two different teams and I can sit in the same ballpark or stadium next to an opposing team's fan and we are not in unity. I promise you that. So just being here in this place, sitting in this place, doesn't mean that we are together now we are together gathered in the same place but i'm talking about spiritually unified under the banner of jesus christ 
But just because we may not be together and unified, all with our hearts striving together for the faith of the gospel, together, all things pointing to Jesus Christ, just because we're not doing that, doesn't mean that it's okay not to be in our place. And that's, again, where I think this philosophy has taken over in, in church going and gathering today. But our strength and effectiveness only comes through our togetherness and our working and our unique giftedness. And if you don't believe so, let's just see the scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. But speaking the truth and love may grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, According to, listen to this, the effectual working in the measure of every part. Part of what? Part of the body. Making, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying, listen to this, of itself in love. You know what that's saying? It's a very simple thing. Paul used this illustration. You've heard me say this before. But the body of Christ is illustrated by the human body. And he even talks about that in, in 1 Corinthians where he talks about there's, there's uncomely parts, the parts that we really don't want to look at, they're very vital. Like, for instance, there's a reason why God made our skin pretty, right? Because we've got to look at our skin all the time. Nobody, it would be very disheartening and, and maybe other things if, like, for instance, our liver was just hanging on the outside, you know? I mean, it has a function. It has a very important function. Um, but it's not very pretty. I mean, it's like brown and slimy looking, you know? So, like, nobody wants to look at that. It's, it's uncomely. But it's vital. It's vital to the, the body. It's the same thing as the heart. It's, it's, a, it's a very amazing thing. But I promise you this. And maybe we'd get used to it if our hearts were on the outside, beating on the outside. But it, I think if we saw it now, we'd be like, ugh. Can we cover that up with some skin? It would be a little better. And so God, in his perfect design, did that. But the heart is vital, and the brain, we know what that looks like, right? Most of us know what that looks like. It looks like jumbled, same thing as the intestines, you know, all jumbled up in there, all weird looking, but they're vital, they're vital, and nobody wants to see the intestines on the outside. Doctors sometimes do, but not us. Uh, so this all covered up, and because that's God's design. Each member, each part of the body has a vital purpose in its unique working. And so it's so important. That's what he's saying. Every single, every single joint put together the way it's supposed to, it gives strength to the whole body so that when we get, you're sitting in that seat, and in a minute you're going to stand up, and you're going to walk, and you're going to, you know, maybe after, if you haven't eaten dinner afterwards, you're going to use your hands, and you use your arms and your mouth, and every part's going to do what it's supposed to do to eat, to give it nourishment. And then the uncomely parts are going to do their stuff, and then every other, other uncomely things will happen. And it, it all works the way that God has designed it, for us to continue to be healthy and function the way that God has designed us. And so the body of Christ, spiritually, is the same thing as, as, as our physical bodies. And so if you're not in your place serving, and you're not it, where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing with the, a healthy nature about you, then the body of Christ is weakened, and our effectiveness is weakened. It, it, I've said this in, in different ways, but I'll say it like this. If you don't think that it's necessary to be faithful to every time the body gathers, then think of it like this. 
What if you only saw your blood family for four to six hours a week? What if that was the case? I'm talking about your kids, your, your spouse. What if you only saw them four to, six week, four to six hours a week? It wouldn't be a very strong family. It wouldn't be a very together family. You would, you would feel a, a little disconnected, but we know we don't, we don't do that. I mean, even if you work 12, 16 hours a day, most of the time, you're going to at least see your family. Most, I said most of the time, not all the time. Most of the time, at least an hour a day or two hours a day, you know. And so you're already at least an hour ahead of that highest number, six. You have to be seven, one hour a day, seven days a week, seven hours in a week. But we, most of us spend more time with our blood families than just an hour a week, most of us. But when we look at the body of Christ, the spiritual family of God, the eternal family of God, with eternal blood of our eternal God running through our eternal veins. And I'm not talk, it's not physical. I'm talking about the spiritual body. When we think about that. Yet we can dispose of the great privilege and the need of gathering together, being together, so easily. I mentioned a sports team a while ago. I've been a part of many sports teams in my life, but I, and I know how they work, um, and, I, and I've been on some bad teams, I've been on some good teams, um, and one thing stands out very clearly. If we weren't faithful in practice and dedicated to practice, we weren't going to be effective. And every time that someone wasn't faithful to practice, it always showed in the game, always. And so the coaches used to say something like this to us all the time. You're going to play like you practice. And if you're given that half-hearted effort, they didn't say half-hearted. Then that's what's going to show up in the game. And so practice the way you want to play. Be here. Be here on time. Give your best effort. And we'd run plays over and over. We'd run drills over and over and over in preparation for the game. So again, we consider the body of Christ. We only have a short amount of time to gather throughout each week. And how vital is that as the eternal body of Christ? Casting aside the modern philosophy of church attendance, we look at Scripture and we see it's vital that we are together, that we gather together. Again, as I was saying, Tom Rainer had this, you know, this blog or po podcast that came, an email that I get, and he asked this question on this subject. And um, it says this, is the church so important that we should gather on a regular basis? Did you hear what he said? Is the church so important that we should gather together on a regular basis? And further, every member gather each time the church gathers. Of course, it was a rhetorical question in this podcast because the resounding answer is absolutely yes. The most important Organism, the most important organization, the most important body, the most important institution, family, team, army, whatever, on this earth, aside from marriage, which is fundamental to the church, is the church. 
It's the only other institution that God created. Marriage and the church. And marriage is to reflect the relationship of the church with the Lord. He didn't come and start a business. He didn't come and start a, a, a sports team. He didn't come and, and, and start a booming industry. Uh, he didn't come and, and, and create a, a, a huge ranch and farm. Uh, he, he didn't come to do any of those things. He came and instituted his church. And if our God, if our Lord did this, he's our God. He's the one that, that, that we say is above everything else, that there's none other beside him, not even ourselves. He is God alone. He is on his throne. And we are his servants. We are his children. We are following him. He did this. And how important should it be to us, his church? Not just gathering, but everything about his church. And what is the church? Of course, it's the people. In this philosophy that's permeated the church, that culture has swallowed up, that attendance to gathering, that, that being a part of the church mission is, is really just an option, that worship services are nothing more than a mere event to attend. You can either choose it or you can not choose it, whatever you want. Let's understand that beyond the logical and the spiritual reasons behind the importance of gathering together, not just to worship the Lord, but to accomplish his mission, as often as we can, beyond all of that, there's a very clear command found in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse, 23, verse 19 says this, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, Listen to this, by a new and living way. This was phenomenal to them. No longer a high priest had to go in for them. The, the, the veil was torn at the, at the crucifixion. No longer did they have to have a substitute go for them into the very presence, the holy presence of God. And that's what Paul's saying. Look, we don't have to do that because we can enter into the very holiest because of the blood of Jesus. He says it's this new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Look what he says. We have this great privilege to enter into the very holiest, the presence of God Almighty through the blood of Jesus Christ. This is what we should do. Let us draw near with the true heart and full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, because he's faithful that's promised. And look what he says in verse 24. Not only let us draw near to God, because we have this great privilege of doing so because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, not only let us draw near with God and hold fast to our profession of faith, but let us consider one another. Let's think about each other as the body of Christ. Why? What are we supposed to think about each other? To provoke unto love and good works. So we, we are to have this great privilege of entering into the presence of God. And so with this great privilege, we are to do it. And we're to do it with full assurance and faith. And we're to do it with regularity. We are to do this with, with, with a faith that's, that's strong, knowing that Jesus did this for us. And we can do this because of what he's done. Not only that, we're to think about each other and how we can encourage each other. So how, we can, how we can push each other to, to more love and to more good works for the kingdom of God. That's what we're supposed to consider each other with this great privilege, this open entrance into the kingdom, of, uh, into the presence of God. 
That's what we're supposed to do. And then look what he says in verse 25. Not forsaken the assembling of ourselves together as the manner, or you know what the, man, the word manner means? It means habit. Even in this time, as the writer of Hebrews, which is probably the, the Apostle Paul, not dogmatically, but probably the Apostle Paul, writing this, he was saying, he was saying listen, there's a, there's a habit that some people have already. The church wasn't even but maybe two or three decades old at this point in time. That, yet there were some people that were thinking, it's not that important for me to gather with the body of Christ. And they had this habit of not regularly gathering when the body gathered. And so Paul says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Whenever you gather, everybody should gather. Don't do like some people who have a habit of not gathering. Don't do like them, but exhort one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. Do exhort one another to provoke one another to love and good works and, and, and encourage each other, lift each other up to follow Jesus Christ, to keep keeping the faith, keep on keeping on, to, to have that faith and witness, to be faithful to God. Encourage each other and do it more and more and more as you see the day approaching. What is the day? The day of Jesus Christ. As you see that day approaching, now let's, let's think about this for a second. You've heard me say this before, but 2017 is a lot closer to the day than 60 A.D. or about 60 A.D. whenever this book was written, Hebrews. Almost 2,000 years have gone by. 2,000 years closer to the day of Jesus Christ. The day, the return of Jesus Christ, the day of judgment, the day of reckoning. 2,000 years have passed, and so how much more should the body be not forsaken the assembling of ourselves together? How much more should the body be exhorting one another and, and pushing one another to love and good works? Because that day is so much closer than it was when the writer of Hebrews wrote that 2,000 years ago. So every time the church gathers, we should say, whew, time's getting closer. I need to be there, and I need to, I need to hug somebody's neck. I need to shake somebody's hand. I need to encourage them to keep on keeping on. I need to tell them they're encouraging me, and I, I need to see if I can pray with somebody. I need to see if I can use the gifts that God has given for the body of Christ, for the edification of itself in love, so that when that day comes, we're is every bit prepared, every bit as strong and faithful and accomplished in his, his work and his will as possible. So the fact that the Thessalonians were there and they were together and they were faithful living and faithfully witnessing together. They were doing this in their city and even beyond their city. Remember, Paul said, listen, I hear your faith of places beyond there. They were going beyond that. And it was such an encouragement to this great servant of God, the Apostle Paul. Let's never discount that faithfulness and a faithful witness is a great encouragement even to strong Christians. And see, if, if you're a child of God, there's something inside of you that it matters how you affect other Christians. See, when you get to that place where you say, I don't really care what they, they think about me, you're backslid. That's just the truth. It's not about, well, I... It, it's not this type of care. Well, I wonder what they think about me, and so I need to do this or do that. No, 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 it's not that. It's whenever you're, faith, when you, you're in a right relationship with God, then it matters how you're either positively affecting others or negatively affecting others. It matters. You, you, you care that you're, you're either encouraging someone else or discouraging them. 
It matters. Again, Scripture tells us that we are to bear one another's burdens, that we are to, to care about one another, not just care about ourselves, that we are to put prefer, in honor preferring one another in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. We are, we are to think about others and encourage others, provoke to, to love and good works, exhort one another, even so much more as we see the day approaching. Again, it should matter to us, and it affects us. So you being in on Wednesday night, when it's been flooding outside, I want to say this. You're an amazing encouragement to me. And, and you may say, well, I, don't, I don't really care if I'm an encouragement to you. Well, you need to be at the altar tonight then. <laughs> I'll meet you there. We can get things right. But we, it should matter. It should matter if I say that to you or if anybody else says, you know what, well, you're an encouragement to me. Because that's a big deal in the body of Christ. But that's what we're supposed to be doing, edifying one another, encouraging one another, provoking one another good works. Hey, be faithful to God. Hey, keep serving God. Hey, keep, keep on keeping on. Don't, don't, don't give in to the world. Don't give in to your flesh. That's what we're supposed to be doing to each other. And when we're encouraged, we should say, hey, you know what? You're encouraging to me. And that kind of leads to the last point tonight. In verse 9, we'll pick it up, and it says this, For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all, for, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before God, before our God. It sounds like Paul is so encouraged and so uh, inc- joyful that he's been calling out to God. Verse, nine, verse 10, night and day, listen to this, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. See, again, it's hard for us to get this, but Paul had seen this church come to faith. He was run out of town. And I'm sure that he had seen some of the persecution already that was going on on these new believers. And, and they just kind of keep going. And they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have computers. They couldn't text and they couldn't email. They couldn't call. And once they got to Berea, and then once they went on to, to Corinth and Athens, they, they couldn't find out that way. Hey, everything okay? I mean, I know they were, having, they were, they were really harping on Jason before we left. I mean, is, is everybody okay? They couldn't do that. And so Paul moves along in the journey, and they get to this, this place, and he is just, he, he's worried, and not, you know, not, not to a sinful place, but he's just so concerned over these new believers, knowing what he had faced as a strong believer, an established believer, and he was just, it was eating him up how they were doing. And so when the word came back to him that, hey, these new baby Christians, they're standing strong against the persecution. They're going through all kinds of afflictions there in Thessalonica. Things haven't gotten better since, since they got saved. Things in their life have gotten a lot worse. But you know what? They're faithful. And they keep ga- they're, they're faithful to gather. They're encouraging each other. They're witnessing. Their faith is being spread abroad far beyond Thessalonica. I mean, they are, they are standing firm in the faith. And Paul, again, as this, as this church planner, as this father, spiritual father figure to these people, his heart is just so overwhelmingly rejoicing because they are standing firm in the faith. They're standing fast. And again, that's what he said. This is how we can keep moving forward in our faith, knowing that you're standing fast in your faith. So point number two is this. He's writing this to them. He's writing this to these new believers. And so this is what we see in this. Our thanks to God for others' faithfulness should be made known to God and to them. If someone is an encouragement to you because of their faithfulness to God, you should thank God for them 
And you should also let them know that it's an encouragement to you. This, Paul's writing this letter, right? That was going to be sent to the Thessalonians. They were going to read this in the assembly of the saints. When they gathered together, hey, Paul sent a letter. Let's, sit, let's read this. Let's read this letter and see what he said to us. And at this point, he's, he's saying, listen, for what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. He's telling them, listen, we, we are always thanking God for how faithful you are. We are always thanking God for how steadfast you are. We're always thanking God for how, how faithful of witnesses that you've been. And you're ba baby Christians, you're brand new Christians. And we're just thanking God for that. You're, you're such an encouragement to us. It's such a joy to hear these things come back to us. So again, if someone's faithful, you're encouraged by that, tell that to God and tell that to them. Encourage them that you're encouraged. Do it. I know I've been guilty of before uh, uh, of someone encouraging me, uh, of something being encouraged to me, and not saying it. Well, for whatever reason, not, not because I'm afraid or, or anything, but maybe you just get busy and you forget. No, no, no. Man, we need to be way more sensitive to that in the Spirit. We need to, we need to realize that that encouragement of each other is so important. But remember, it's encouragement in the things of God. It's encouragement for the faithfulness to God. You look around and you see somebody that's enduring through a trial and it's encouraging to you, tell them that. And I'm not, I'm not saying this, Matt, but I've, I've shared some, uh, some, some words of encouragement as far as me being encouragement with, with some ladies and some, some men that have lost their spouse or um, maybe have gone through a, a battle with disease or, or cancer. And, and they just remain faithful. And, and I've told them before, you're such an encouragement. Thank you for your faithfulness through this. If somebody's being faithful through a trial and you know about it, man, encourage them. Tell them. And thank God for them. We need encouragement. We need to encourage each other. So let's be sure to thank God. Let's be sure to to encourage our fellow brothers and sisters again for faithfulness and for steadfastness that's what paul was writing to them about their faithfulness and their steadfastness now on the flip side the thessalonians weren't being faithful and they weren't being steadfast so that paul would pat them on the back and so if you're serving god and you're trying to be faithful and you're trying to do the things that that we're talking about, you're trying to be faithful to service, you're trying to be faithful to use your gifts, you're trying to face, be faithful to, to, to be a faithful witness, you're doing all those things, and you're doing all those things so that the pastor will say you're encouraging, or, or another leader will say you're encouraging, or that somebody else will pat you on the back. If that's why you're doing it, then I want to say this, you're going to be one of the first ones to be discouraged. Because man will always fall short. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll fail you. I, I'm not saying that in a, a, a bragging way, but I'm a man and I'm going to fall short. There's only one perfect person that never misses the mark, and that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you're doing it for that pat on the back or for that word of encouragement, remember, David encouraged himself in the Lord. There's days when there's no encouragement. There's days when there's no pats on the backs, when there's no texts, there's no emails, there's, there's, there's hard days when, when none of that stuff comes. And so where do we find our encouragement on those days? 
we encourage ourselves in the Lord. But if we're all doing what we should be doing, and we're all trying to exhort one another, provoke one another to good, uh, to good works, to love and good works, then we're going to be encouraged by each other as the body as well. But I will say for me, and may, as I said a while ago, maybe it matters, maybe it doesn't to you, but when you're here on a Wednesday night when it's been raining like this, it's very encouraging. Very encouraging. When you're here just on a regular day, very encouraging. Why? Because it feels like the body is together. It feels like the body, the members are together. And when, when, when you're not, other than sickness or, or you're out of town or, or work or something like that, then it's discouraging. It's very discouraging. Again, we were made to be together as a body, just like this. It would not be fun for you if your arm just decided to fall right off. <laughs> that would not be encouraging, would it? That'd be very discouraging. Oh, no, my arm fell off. What am I going to do now? That's, that's not the way it was designed. It's supposed to be attached. It's supposed to be there every time you need it. It's supposed to be healthy. It's supposed to be usable. It's got a function that the leg can't do. I mean, it, that's just the way it is. That's the way the body is designed. That's the way the spiritual body is designed. When God brings people here to Trinity Baptist Temple, a local church body, then it's for a purpose, an eternal purpose, and it's vital. It's important that every member is here and serving and using their gifts so that we're all encouraged, so that we're all effective together in the kingdom of God and the work of God. But the, the Thessalonians, as we close, and resume, you can make your way. Um, they were strong. We've already seen what their strength was. They were faithful. They had faithful witnesses. Their faith was strong in the midst of affliction. But there's no doubt that there were some things that they were struggling with. As, as uh, baby Christians, there were some areas that they needed to mature in. And, and that's the case for, for the, the membership of Trinity Baptist Temple, too. There are things that all of us are strong in, areas that we're strong in. And then there's areas that God is still working in our life. He's still maturing us in those areas. And that's okay. But that's exactly what the Apostle Paul was saying uh, there in that last verse. He said, listen, we want to come to you and so that we can, we can do some of the things. We can teach you some of those things that you still need to be taught. And I want to note this in this conclusion. That is exactly why God gives teachers and preachers. That's what Ephesians chapter 4 says. Before what we just read a while ago, starting in verse 11, this is what it says. And he, came, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Here it is. Why? Why did he give these, these, these people to the church? For the perfecting of the saints, the maturing, the growth of the, uh, the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's what it is. The pastors, the teachers, those people are supposed to teach and equip so that the body serves and it edifies the body of Christ. And they're supposed to do this till we all come to the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, and a perfect man to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. That's the goal, that we all become just like Jesus Christ. That's God's foreordained plan, that we are all to be conformed to the image of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Again, we all need growth. We all have areas that we need to mature and grow. But to say this, I don't need anything that Brother Kyle has to say. I don't have anything that that Sunday school teacher has to say. I don't need that. I've been a Christian this long. I know what the Bible says. To say something like that is to reject the very gifts that God gave to the local church. You're not rejecting the person. 
you're rejecting God's gift to the church. And to do that is to assume a very prideful and presumptuous position that the Bible says comes before a fall and comes before destruction. And unfortunately, I've had the sad experience of seeing people do that. and Turn their back, walk away, and see the enemy come in and destroy families, destroy lives, and it is very disheartening. But we have to understand it's not I or another preacher that stands here or a teacher that stands in a Sunday school classroom that possess any superpower. God does. God is the one that possesses the power. Very simply, it's the gifts that God gives for order and instruction in the body of Christ. And so our charge tonight is to be faithful. To be faithful so that we can encourage each other and edify each other, lift each other up as we are faithful and faithful to serve and faithful to witness. As we do those things, then we'll be encouraged and we'll be so much more encouraged as the day approaches of the Lord's return. And let's thank God for each other. If there's somebody in here that you know, you know what, man, they're an encouragement to me. I know they're going through a lot right now, and they drive so far, and they're here. And, and this person's going through this, and, and, and they're struggling with this, and yet they're here every time with a smile on their face, with joy in their heart, and, and they're just leaning on the Lord. That's such an encouragement to me. Let's, let's, tell, let's thank God, and let's let them know, hey, you're an encouragement to me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word. And thank you for this message tonight. I know it's not very popular. Again, in the, in the midst of a, uh, a culture that has been ridden with a philosophy that it's okay uh, to disregard your things, to disregard you, your body, the importance of unity and togetherness. Uh, again, I understand it's not popular, but I thank you for this church. I thank you for these, these members that are faithful, that are here on a Wednesday night, middle of the week, many of them very tired from a long day of work, lots of things going on, maybe with kids and grandkids. Lord, but they're here. And this message is so important, so timely for those as well as for all of us, God. Help us to be unified. Help us to be together. Help us get anything and everything that needs to be right in our hearts and our minds so that we're not the reason, so that we're not the Achan that, that, that has sin in the camp. Lord, that we're not the reason that we're being held back from seeing you do everything you want to do in our church and through our church. God, help us to have that togetherness. Help us to encourage each other. Help us to edify one another. Help us to exhort one another and provoke one another to good works, to love and good works. Help us be the body of Christ that glorifies you, that gives glory to the head. And we'll praise you for all these things, Lord. Just work now in this time, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.